Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. My name is Tom, and I'd like to welcome you to a wonderful new spiritual podcast called Medicine Words, where our mission is to bring forth spiritual knowledge and wisdom to help you in your daily life and to help you heal from barriers that may be inhibiting you from your growth and your progress as a spiritual being. I'm joined today by my broadcasting partner, Ryan. We will be moderating and assisting with the broadcast for our keynote speaker, Keith, who is a world-renowned spiritual medium and teacher, and he'll bring forth today's content. Keith has a sacred gift to read energy from the souls of individuals, and he's been teaching and helping people for over 40 years with their own individual spiritual learning and circumstances. With each podcast, we'll choose a spiritual topic and have approximately 30 minutes of presented material, followed by some questions and answers. We know we won't be able to answer or even ask all of the questions on these topics, so we welcome you to listen and submit your own questions to this or any other subject on our webpage, medicinewords.net. Whether we're able to include them in a podcast or give you a direct answer, we'll be sure to respond one way or the other with answers to your questions. And at this moment, it is my great pleasure to begin our program. Hey everybody, it's Keith, Ryan, and Tom with another exciting podcast and another episode. First of all, let me just take some time to thank you for existing. I really mean that. I mean that you exist, and that's incredibly important. You are divinely created, and you exist in this life with much purpose. Your journey started way before you were physically born. Your journey started as a light being that had a desire to come into this world, come into this planet, and become physical. You are now in your journey. The only thing that you need to exist is your birthright. When you came into this world and you were born, congratulations, happy birthday, you are divinely created and ordained. All right, now you've lived some years in this planet. You've come to different conclusions. You've been told what you should do, what you should be, how you should act, what you should speak, where you're going, and you're being a little bit inspired, but then at the same time kind of confused. Eventually, as all humans do, we get to the point where we go, what is the purpose of life? But more specifically, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Where was I before I was born? Why can't I remember that? And where am I going? This group of people tells me I should do this. These others expect this. I am demanded to do that. Some of it feels correct. Some of it feels inspired. Others, these rules seem blatantly wrong and sometimes controlling. So again, you go into your intellect and you begin to come up with conclusions of who you are, why you're here, and where you're going. In the observation of my life, I can only tell you what I know by the observation of my experience. I believe and know that there is a divine creator that loves me. I'm not trying to convince you to view that as well or believe that. I just know that when I see the beauty in this world that I live in, and I see the harmony and laughter and joy of people interacting in love, I know that the simple joys of life is purpose. I know that as I look around, sometimes in my stormy days in my mind, I look out and I see there is without a doubt a divine creator. The precision of this universe, the precision of the way it is all set up, leaves no doubt in my mind that there is a creator that created it. And I know that I am a small part of that. And I do not want to hurt anything or anyone. I want to treat that with respect and reverence. So I get back to this point. Why are we here? Oftentimes you're told what to do and how to do it. But these individuals are those which sometimes have conformed to the rules. The rules 
Sometimes rules are good because they can help you. Sometimes they can prevent danger or damage or injury to you. Other times rules are put in place subtly to control you or to keep you oppressed for the benefit of the phony unholy or those that seek to gain from you being subservient to them. So these questions come up and sometimes as you're following along these pre-designed ideas that were given to you by others around you, perhaps recently or in your past, you get to this point where you go, all right, again, who am I? Who am I and why am I here? Where was I and where am I going? The reason it seems so unanswerable that you cannot come up with that idea is because you are the only one that contains that answer. Yes, you have such a gift of being so uniquely you that you are the only one that can answer that question. Sure, you can take ideas from other people around you. You can take an opinion or a viewpoint and you can take, take help from those around you. But ultimately, it is up to you to decide who you are. You are unlike anyone else. All right. So sometimes we come through our lives and we experience pain. Now, if you look at the divine mastery and the divine creation, visualize yourself as a spiritual being of light. From this, you have created your emotional body, intellectual body, attitudinal body, your egoic self, all of which is reacting and acting the same way. If you injure your physical body, then it hurts and you get a scab, it heals, and eventually the scab releases and you have scar tissue. That scar tissue is a lot stronger than the regular tissue because it was an experience and so it made it stronger to save you. It is the same as far as your emotional body, your intellectual body. If you are injured emotionally, if someone injures you, you put a scab there. It's a temporary structure and you're not allowing anyone else in until you heal. If your mind or your thinking ability is injured in some way, you shut down. You go into kind of a shock period until you're able to restore yourself because I can guarantee you, your mind will heal. All right, so what is the purpose of life? It is not to be singular and all by yourself, no. It is to be connected with all that is. And I do mean all that is. This life, this planet, is like the campus called Earth, and we're in the university of empathy. Empathy. How you feel is how you are making other people feel. Now, oftentimes, as we go through our lives, we get hurt, obviously. Now, hurt people hurt people. Healed people heal people. So if you're a person that you have been injured for whatever reason, sometimes it can be from no fault of your own. Sometimes it can be that there's just cruel individuals that have hurt you and you're injured. And perhaps you haven't had time to heal. You can go about your life and you can perpetrate that injury or that difficulty on others. So you are an injured person that is injuring other people, but there is divine law. That which created you loves you unconditionally. We are like children on the planet Earth. We are loved unconditionally. So just like a mindful parent or a mindful teacher would look over children and say, that one is having an issue or problem, let's attend to that person's needs, kneels down by the side of this individual and says, all right, I see you're crying. What's the issue? And you can tell that story. Or this other child is causing pain or bullying other people. You certainly don't injure that child. You go up and you teach the child. And that is like we on this planet. We on this planet have an immense sense of love that surrounds this planet. They are divine and universal laws. 
Now, we all hear this as we're in school or, or going through our synagogues, our churches, our mosques. And the most fundamental principle of human behavior is do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That is the golden rule, and it is empathy. You, as you react and are relating to other people, if you are causing injury, the divine law is that which comes back to you, and you begin to feel that pain. You can continue to ignore it. Ignorance is something that can fester. Now, I believe and know that... So when you see the pain or feel this pain in you, emotionally, mentally, or intellectually, sometimes you can project that on other people. However, when you look at empathy, you are causing pain for another person or to another person because of the choice between fear and love. What you see in the other person that causes you such discontent or pain is what you truly do feel inside of yourself as fear or darkness. For example, the most weakest form of being a human being is the person that makes fun of another person. First of all, that whole phrase is incorrect because when you're making fun of another person, it is no fun to that other person. You are belittling and you are humiliating that other person and you are being cruel to that other individual. Far wiser it be that you listen to what you're saying to, about that other person and integrate that inside of your own soul so you know exactly where you are dark, where you are fearful, where you're full of self-hate and loathing, where you have, through the years, only been able to create a fake, false, imposter self that is masquerading as a human being. You could ask yourself where you decided to cease to be a humane being and became a puppet. Now, to make fun of another individual is only harming you, and you are in fear. Now, it gives the other individual this amazing opportunity to forgive you and to walk away from you. In other words, to flee from the idiot and run from the fool. Now, of course, we, generally speaking as human beings, like to kind of learn this by the time we're about 13 or 14 years old. When you somehow go through puberty and you go through those cruel years and then you're about 15, 16, most human beings get to the point where they gain compassion and empathy toward other people. They get to the point where they realize that making fun of someone else, hurting someone else, putting someone else down or causing cruelty to them emotionally, mentally and spiritually is the equivalent of walking up to someone and stabbing them with a knife or to burn them with a cigarette or to pinch them or to hurt them. They realize that this is absurd and they want to grow. Most human beings will do that. But for some reason, some people, as they go into their adulthood, in their 20s, in their 30s and 40s, they may maintain this lack of maturity, this lack of empathy. And so they continue to perpetrate this outwardly. Now, they project their darkness, their problems on other people. The unfortunate thing about that is, is that you become a narcissist. You become a person where it is never your issue. It is everyone else's issue. It is their problem that you are not working, even though you're always late to work. It is their problem that you are not making money, even though you sat around, did nothing, it is their problem that you're not in love with somebody, even though nobody can stand to be around you. Now, I'm not saying this to belittle anyone. What I am saying is this. In order to fix something, you realize that it is broke. You realize that you are that you are not in the right place, that you are not broken exactly, but you're not in harmony with the love of the universe. You begin to pick yourself up and with love, the opposite of fear, you begin to heal yourself. We take a path. As far as to repair, 
oftentimes if we're still in fear, repentance seems very overwhelming and scary. In fact, you look at the word repentance, it can be scary because you have to repent and change or this deity is going to destroy you. Or you can take the perspective of what repentance truly is. If you look at repentance and transform it into love, it becomes the word repair. It is a French word meaning to repair yourself. So the love that is divine, the love that is God, comes into your life and begins to repair you and put your soul at ease. So Keith, you pointed out that it, there's a very key age where as, as growing up, you get your first introduction to empathy in that period of growing up during puberty. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because little, little children often feel for others, but this seems to be the really big growth point for empathy. Absolutely. Thank you for asking that. When I look at uh, people growing up as far as energetically, the puberty period is a period of time where obviously biological things are happening. The physical body is maturing to a point where it can actually procreate. It can actually go through a reproductive system, and so that's part of just biology. You, your mind, your intellect has no control over that. It's part of what we humans do. However, it is also a period of time where you are learning a lot of social skills. It is as if you are immersed into society, and sometimes it rears a very ugly head. So it those those children can be very cruel to each other. Now, personally, there's any stereotype is flawed, but the testosterone male puberty is very different from the female puberty. The testosterone puberty of the males can sometimes be very volatile. So they become uh, kind of protective. They become this might is right and everything that is feminine is weak. And so it's all part of this process. So they are, they are defending and they are, they're coming to their own conclusions. Now, again, it does have a purpose. That child needs to kind of figure out who they are and also what they're going to become. So they might have these dreams of, I'm going to uh, have money, I'm going to marry, I'm going to have children, I'm going to do this and such. So they're becoming consciously aware of their potential and who they are. They're also trying to dream that. So they put on this egoic platform of what they're going to be, which is naturally a very positive thing. However, then the female starts looking, I'm going to be a, a neurosurgeon. I'm going to cure cancer. I'm going to write the best uh, author. I'm going to be the, the president of the United States or be a world leader. So every human being going through puberty does get to the point where they are putting on this platform in their sense of self. So what happens is that normally you go through another stage. 16, 17, 18 is a period of time where you become more mature. You become more who you are. Again, it's empathy. Sometimes if you're trying to be all macho and so forth, and you're trying to beat up everybody because you're tough, you realize that that's not good to be a bully. You realize the girls really don't like that. So hopefully you've learned that by the time you're 17, 18 years old. Now, again, when I look at people energetically, between about... 19, 18, 20, 21 years old, there's an expansion of a light in the cerebral cortex. Science has even proven that the frontal lobes of the human mind has become more kinetic, what between about 19 to about 22. So again, it's another major, maturing state. It is a state where you go, okay, so maybe I'm not going to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30, but I can certainly be prudent with my money. Maybe she's not a supermodel, but she makes me laugh and we're going to have a wonderful life together. So you start to adjust the exaggerated egoic platform that you put into your life when you're 13, 14 and become more realistic. As you mature and hopefully as you go through your life, you become kind, compassionate, loving toward your fellow human beings. However, some people don't. They hold on to their own their own ideologies, their own ideas about what they are. And by the time they're in their 30s or 40s, this is where the issues come in. This is where people can become cruel. All of a sudden, they're 42 years old, 
and they really felt like that the world owed them a living and it didn't pay up like they wanted it to. And so they're really angry at it. They're angry because everybody else has the money or so it seems, or the right girl or the children. Why is that when all they did was sit around and watch TV and do alcohol and do math and eat pizza in their parents' basement and their life passed them by? It's everyone else's problems. So it's not a failure, but you can take a different approach. You can say it's never too late to grow. It's never too late to become who you are. It's never too late. God loves me even now. How do I turn this around? If you don't, you go into what is known as a dark night of the soul. And we're going to go into that in another episode on medicine words. But if you have developed empathy, it is part of your human spiritual growth. Keith, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about defining empathy. You brought it into the concept of love versus fear, but is it just one form of love? How does it fit in? Well, of course, obviously, I think that we can express our love very differently. And in our minds, we do feel like there's these different forms of love. You can have love of your spouse, love of your country, love of your body, love of yourself, love of your God, love of whatever. But really, when you look at the empathy and, the, and to have empathy, I personally believe that's an expression of giving love to someone else where there's absolutely nothing in it for you. You are giving this love to this individual because that person needs it. That person can fulfill it. It's not, you're not giving it with conditions or consequences. The energy of love is just that. It is energy. It is like electricity. You can plug in a microwave, a heater, a clock, a light bulb, anything into electricity, and it does different things. It's exactly the way love is. You give love to someone else, and you can, you can pray love toward them, or you can give love, you can spend time with them, you can project this love to that individual unconditionally, in so much that then they can use it at will to heal themselves. That truly is empathy. That truly is the sense of empathy. Also, one thing I notice about empathy is this. With empathy, you look at someone and obviously each individual, every one of my listeners, our listeners that are listening to this podcast, you, Tom, Ryan, and I, every one of us has gone through a period in our life where we got to the point where we thought, okay, I need some help or what is this hole in my heart or my emotions? What is it that I'm doing? And then some individual said some kind of kind words or did some kind of kind act, and it sparked you back into life. It gave you this like feeling. Literally, that is what it looks like. It is a spark. It's like a jump start. The soul is light. That's not a metaphor. That is a truth. Your soul is light. So you are emanating light out of your heart chakra, out of your emotional solar plexus, out of your mind or your voice. And you're giving that energy to someone else's heart chakra, their emotional solar plexus, or their soul. Little tiny spark. If you put a spark on wood, it becomes a flame. It's the same thing. Your little spark of kindness, understanding, and joy, that little sense of empathy and unconditional love, that sense that you gave that other person, that you understand them and you relate to them and you've been there and it's okay that they're not perfect or they're going through this problem or difficulty. That ignited the passion of their heart and their emotions to this bright flame. You look at that and you think, okay, so here was this person. You never know what that person is going to become. The next time you see an acorn, look at it and try to tell me what that's going to be. Look at a tulip bulb and say, oh, this ugly thing, what would I want this for? Look at any seed and you try to tell me what it's going to be. If you had never seen a plant, you would throw the pumpkin seed away. You would throw the acorn away and go, this isn't garbage. However, by you showing empathy, kindness and love to the other human being, it planted a seed for them to grow into their potential. 
this individual could be down and out. They could be having a psychotic breakdown, or so it seems. The psychologist says, oh, we need to put them on medication. Their family's rejecting them. They're going through all this kind of chaos. They're not acting correct or sane. Okay, is it a breakdown or is it a breakthrough? Is it that they're breaking through what they've been told that they should be and they're becoming exactly as they are? In other words, is it the acorn that then's like opening up and there's this little green thing coming out of it and it's eventually going to become this mighty oak tree? It's going to take years. You might be no longer a part of their life. You might be dead and gone, but they have become something based on the, on the fertile soil, that love that you gave them. So instead of them taking this path of despair, psychotic difficulty and problems, they became a medical doctor. They became a person with purpose. They fulfilled their life and became happy. Not necessarily great in the social context, but more in the spiritual context. They became authentic. Keith, one thing I heard in there is that each of us has the opportunity to give love to someone else. And maybe the signal to do that is that first feeling of empathy. I would agree. I would agree on that, that it is that first signal is like that, that empathy or that, that difficulty, that problem. You know, we look at people and we tend to judge them very quickly. If this person is acting strange or peculiar, well, let's judge them or let's, let's institutionalize them. However, Carl Hewn said it very well. If there is something that is in an individual and they are seeking to destroy themselves, it's not necessarily that they're trying to destroy themselves. They're trying to destroy something that does not belong there, something that is not of their divine self. So as we look at behavior, it's important to look at it with the divine shaman law. And that is, if it has a soul, it is of God. So you give that soul love and it potentially grows into what it needs to be. We human beings don't see it as obvious sometimes because you're born, you grow, you change chronologically. Most 15 year olds, you could probably tell that they're 15 years old. You could probably tell that I'm in my early 60s. You could probably tell that Ryan was in his late 30s just by their looks, all right? However, what we don't realize is we human beings go through massive awakenings, almost like a death and rebirth all the time. It is reflected in every part of life. It's reflected in the seeds becoming the plants and then dying. It comes, goes into the caterpillars that are becoming the butterflies. Everything in this planet has a process of growth. We human beings have that same process. So empathy. Empathy is when you are giving love and light to another person that they can become the potential that they are. Why is that important? It is important because if you look at it energetically, if I could give you a gift, it would be what I see energetically as far as how human beings interact with others. It is like a great tapestry that people absolutely their lives are contingent on everyone else. It is like a, you are a needle and you have a thread that is interweaving with all other humanity. So as you interweave, if someone over there is stuck and they're trying to pull their needle through and they're having a bit of a problem, it is affecting you and the tapestry. So Keith, what's the proper amount of love to give someone when they need this? healing, you're getting the sign that they need your empathy. How much do you give them? Do you give till it hurts as the saying goes? How do you know when you've hit that point? That is a great question, Tom. You have to give or you give from your heart and you give that person love and light until you can tell that you're enabling them to be dysfunctional. In other words, if they are in a crisis or difficulty and you can help them out of that crisis, so be it. But if you can tell they are perpetually and either consciously or unconsciously creating this crisis to then draw the society of rescue teams and come and do this and do this for me, then you are enabling them to be dysfunctional. The way to illustrate this very fast is the old parable of 
you can give a person a fish and you feed them for a day. You can teach the person to fish and you can feed them for a lifetime. Same is true with assistance and help of others. If you are giving to a person, the Buddhists call it mindful giving. You're giving to the individual so that you can give light so that they can become who they are. Each individual is very different. If you have a person that's, that's injured and it's going to take three months for them to recover, obviously that is something that will take time. If you have someone that needs money and you offer them work around the house and pay them, but they never quite have the time because they are too busy drinking or doing drugs, then that's a time to cut them off. As far as mindful giving, you go back to the Buddhists, and a lot of the Buddhist monks will have what is known as beggar bowls. And they will, from their monastery, go into the street, and they'll beg from people, and people will put food in these bowls. Now, in our society, we look at that and we go, okay, these poor monks are beggars, so they have to go and beg for food because they have no money. That is not the principle there at all. The beggar bowl is that the monks are giving you the divine privilege of giving because they realize that that is the greatest gift that anyone is ever going to give. Believe me when I tell you this, you're not going to be rewarded for the amount of energy or a mass amount of money that you have accumulated in this life. There is nothing wrong with money, nor is there anything wrong with material possessions. That is not my point. But if your life has been pursued in the pursuit of money and amassing fortune, and it has caused suffering for others, it is the opposite of the giving of to other people. So when you see the monks in the street and they have this begging bowl, it is that they are giving you this opportunity of the highest honor, and that is to give of yourself. So that's where empathy comes in. The highest honor you can give is when you're assisting and giving to other people. It reminds me of another story of empathy. In the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco, unfortunately, that has become a place where people go to end their lives, which is an unfortunate event. There was a group of individuals that have worked on the bridge to help people to come back into this life, to go into a life where they can live it more fully and to be more productive and to deal with the issues at hand or their problems. What they have noticed is this, when someone is about to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, the most effective remedy for that individual is for the person just to listen to the person that's going to jump. In other words, that person does not judge. That person does not have anything other than an open heart and a listening ear. That person has gotten to the point where they're about to end their lives because they have felt unheard. They have felt marginalized for whatever reason, never understood. And they have never had that listening ear. So the person just sits listens, allows them to talk, and it's with that that they have the greatest success of having people not take the final leap. When you are the person that is receiving the love from someone else because of their empathy, where does it become problematic? What's the limit on that side? You know, if we all need to be heard, we all need to, to, to understand, help, and so forth. It can be kind of narcissistic. In a conversation, a lot of conversation has to do with listening. Um, as far as I'm concerned, in my own conversations with my, with my friends, people I know, I, I like to in, engage with people, but here is the way I figure it. I only have so much time, and my time is my life, and it's precious to me. I, I love to listen to people, whatever they want to say, whether it's something that they are, we're having a, a humorous conversation, philosophical, spiritual, 
if it's something that they're asking for help, I can kind of maneuver through that. One thing I will not do is sit around and listen to someone waste my time with mindless talk that people are saying, oh, I, we could do this and we could do this and we could do that. I have a neighbor who I really like. She lives across the street and she said that she went on a date one time and the guy goes, oh, I'm going to own a microbrewery. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he was projecting all the things he was going to do in the future. She knew intuitively none of it was going to be done. I can guarantee you that when he's about 50, he's still going to be saying what he is going to do and not what he's going, what he has accomplished. And I think that's important that we talk in a way when when you are asking someone to listen to you and you are adults and you're not in and you're not in crisis. It's important that you respect each other's time and not waste their time. It's also important that the person that is being talked to calls you out on it and says, this is not something I want to talk about. I don't feel comfortable with this. One thing that I feel that is incredibly difficult as far as conversation is gossip. When you have a group of friends and those friends, if you're talking to like your friend and that person is talking derogatory about a person in that group, I can guarantee you that they are talking to those other people in that group derogatory about you. So it's important that you point that out so they can change. All right, back to empathy. If you look at narcissism, narcissism I think is an, an issue that is in our culture at this time. However, like I said before, as I look at the human energy, it's amazing how it reflects in all that is. We reflect in nature, we reflect in the earth, and we reflect in the universe. I'll give you an example. If you look at the sun that we have that generates all life on the planet, that sun creates the mass amount of energy because of the fission and gravity. So fission is giving energy out, gravity is pulling it in, it maintains a perfect balance that it creates this heat that is able to generate all this life. Use that as an example for your own life. That's a macrocosm, but the microcosm is, is you are also sunshine. You do have sunshine in you. You're reacting the same way. If you can give love out and receive love back at a balance, you're going to be healthy. You're going to be a person with compassion empathy giving out, but also having that love back in you. If you cease to give love out, it becomes all about you. Then you are not giving love out and it collapses on itself. People are either going to talk about you or you talk about you and that's your demand. That's a narcissist. It's all about you. So the gravity is being pulled in just like the black hole that goes through the space is going to absorb everything in its path and destroy it. It is just like the person that's a narcissist. The lack of empathy, the lack of feelings toward other people is absorbing everything in it and destroying it. So the example would be, you've been at parties where there's this individual that talks all about them or all about what they do and how wonderful they are, will not allow anyone else to interrupt. If a person tries to change the subject or move in a different direction, will we'll vilify that person. That's the narcissist, or that is the lack of empathy that is drawing all that energy in on themselves. Keith, it seems like narcissism is the exact opposite of empathy, yet we see it everywhere. What is the eventual cure for narcissism? Personally, um, as far as a cure, I don't know that there's any cure. I, I feel like it's, for me, I run from the narcissist. I mean, if a person that I have to deal with in a certain way, then I deal with them to a certain level. Now, sometimes I have it easier than maybe other people because I don't go to work and have a boss that's sitting there telling me what to do and how to do it and as a narcissist. You know, if you have a relationship or a, a, a relative or your parents or your children are narcissists, you cannot just run from the narcissist and, and free from it. I get that. But what I think is very important as far as a narcissist, if you have to be in association with one, is remember the adage, you teach people how to treat you. Why are you allowing that person to treat you that way? And when they are that way, call them on it. And if they don't change, then move away from them. It's the shaman rules that you do not harm anyone. That's number one. Number two is, 
you do not allow anyone to harm you, and you do not harm yourself. So those are the three rules of the universe. And so if this narcissist is, is involved with you, then what is it? That, why are you around them? Okay, so can can you move away from them? It's a relationship, a family member. Um, you do not need to be treated like that. And so you move away. Um, because if not, you have to ask, ask yourself the question, why am I with this person? Is it because I have this real need to be needed? Do I have a savior complex that I need to save the whole entire world? Why do I allow myself to be abused like this? Now, if you really look at very deep principles, every human being is on this planet to have a relationship with their divine, with their God, with their love, with their higher self. And so if you're around someone and you feel like you have to rescue them or save them, then it's kind of a, a, a kind of a, a separation between you and God. It's like you're going, well, I have to play God and, and save this person. No, you really don't. You can allow that person in its own consequences, in their own consequences, to come to their own terms in their own time and hit their own wall and pick themselves up. I want to talk a little bit about the review that I talk about. We're getting a lot of comments about what I meant by the review. This is my interpretation about what life looks like. Personally, I believe that we're all spiritual beings of light, and we come in this world as a great gift. There is no such thing as an error. There's no biological errors on this planet. Each human being is divinely created, and each person is perfect in the plan of their own light of the divine. There is no requirement to be perfect. We are all imperfectly perfect. As a person goes through their life, we go into somewhat of the illusion of life, which is a gift. We see our darkness. We see our fears. We see how we're treating people. And it's like a mirror. It mirrors back on us. Now, part of the illusion is that when we die, there's this judgment and this God places us in these different realms or these, there's a heaven and a hell in these different realms. It's kind of like Harry Potter and that hat that puts you in these very, you know, different uh, groups and schools. I don't personally believe in that. I believe that you have your life and you experience life as you perceive it to be. So when you start judging people and saying, you're going to go here and you're going to go there after death, it is a fear base that has been used for thousands of years to control people. Abraham Hicks said it very well when someone in the audience asked Abraham Hicks, is there a hell? My daughter asked me if there is a hell, what should I tell her? And Abraham Hicks said, yes, there is a hell. There is a hell that has been constructed by human beings for thousands of years to keep them controlled and enslaved. And it is up to you whether you're going to buy into that and subject yourself to it or disengage from it and create your own life. Now look at time and space. You look at time and space, we go, okay, this is gonna happen at this time, this is gonna happen at this time, but there is actually no time and space. If you can transcend the illusion of time and space, you're in the now moment. There is no apocalyptic ending. That apocalyptic ending that you feel is of the egoic constructs. It is your mind that tells you that this is going to end and it's going to be bad because this is going to happen or this cataclysmic kind of situation or this, is, this God is going to come back and destroy us. No, that's not it at all. When you start feeling that, look out the window. There are trees growing, there's birds singing, there's traffic, there are children being born, there's squirrels, there's bears, there's fish in the sea. Earth, Mother Earth, is perfectly capable of taking care of herself, of healing herself. So you look at it in a way of this judgment or apocalyptic ending. There is nothing that is permanent other than the light of your soul. There's a big news flash. Everything that you see is not permanent. The car that you have, the clothes that you have, 
not going to last forever. The house, the cities, in 120 years from now, all human beings will be dead. So enjoy the now moment and realize that it's a gift to be human. All right, so then what is permanent? Your physical body will eventually drop off of you, spiritual, your spiritual light. And there is the review. When you pass on, most people would agree that it is the separation between your physical body and your soul. When this occurs, it is not a tragedy. It is a doorway. The last time you used that doorway, it was called birth. You physically came into this world and were born. You knew at that time it was going to be temporary. You slowed it down so you could really focus as far as what your life was about and deal with your darkness and hopefully be able to bring it into light. All right, then you die. Your soul released the physical body and you review. You review, how did I take care of that body? Did I exercise, diet? Did I, did I smoke? Did I drink? How did I take care of it? It's not a punishment. It's just you see the consequences of your actions. Your soul also releases your emotional body or reviews your emotional body. How did you act emotionally? As you were going through your life emotionally and someone hurt you, did you harbor that hurt? And did you take offense? Did you perpetrate that offense elsewhere? Did you become the bully? Or did you rise above it and say, I don't think I'm going to treat people like this because it hurts so bad. So I'm going to know light and love. I'm going to know peace. Then you release your intellectual body, your logical self, A, B equals C. Logically, did I sit around and, and do things with my intellect, like think, oh, how can I make a lot of money? Maybe I can build a better gun or something and make a lot of money, or I could take advantage of people's retirement programs and I can do this and intellectually, oh, that's really wise. Don't take it personally, it's only business. Even though you can't feed your kids, hey, I make a lot of money. So did you use your intellect that way? Or intellectually, did you become a healer or a scientist that perhaps created a solution to world suffering or a doctor that helped people? Did you use your intellect that way? So you review. Believe me when I tell you this, there is no judgment. You, your soul, is reviewing your life. That's all. You, by yourself, you're reviewing your life. Perfection, again, is not the requirement. It is honesty. It is truth. You look at your life in a way of light. And you say, yeah, I wasn't perfect, but I did my best. And I made a mistake here and there, but I asked for forgiveness. A review also comes in the form of the animal kingdom. That's about the only close to judgment you're going to get. As far as the judgment is concerned, it's the energy that comprises the animal kingdom. As you went through your life, the animals look at you and go, yeah, okay, thank you for being a vegan. Thank you for helping with the animals. Thank you for being a veterinarian, that kind of thing. Or think uh, we understood you ate us, but thank you for giving thanks for the energy that we gave you to go through your life. Or, you know, you really shouldn't have bought the dog and put it in the backyard and just let it suffer in the, in the winter tied up with a chain. You shouldn't have really had the bullfights. You shouldn't have really, you know, kicked the horses and you shouldn't have had the puppy mill. And I can tell you, that there is a strength in the animal kingdom. And if you did have that cruelty, you come back and you work that through. You are in your center of yourself spiritually and you look at your life and therein lies your greatest gift and reward. The greatest gift that you have is the wisdom that you are able to derive by the experience of your life. Your experiential wisdom your experiential life, your empathy, how you treated other people, what it was that you did with your life, not just in action, but in thought, how you truly felt in your life, and therein lies your growth. Now, reincarnation is not infinite. It is finite. It has an end to it. Just like college or any other college, it has an end to it. Your spiritual light obviously does not. Your spiritual light is eternal. It is physics. Your soul is light. It is never created. It's never destroyed. It's just transformed. Nor is any other light or any other soul. So when you vibrate to a level of love and light, you vibrate in a different consciousness and you move on perhaps to a different dimension.
Herein lies another point, Tom. You look at people's lives as they go through lives. Why is there such a difference in people? Why is there such a difference in the way people think and the way they act and the way they are? It's not as much of a mystery as it might be perceived. Of course, they don't act like you. But how come some people can be so brilliant in their lives and so what seems, seems to be successful while others really struggle with all sorts of difficulties or problems or addictions? It is because of the way they reacted to their pain and suffering. Did they take it personally? Did they overcome it? Did they move through it? Did they take it lightly? When people are in difficulty or anger or depression, they will go to means to overcome it. Now, what I would suggest is, yes, go to your therapist if you'd like, talk to your friend, perhaps put the lid on the bottle of alcohol, put the lid on the bottle of prescription medication, put the joint down, go out and do something for other people. Volunteer somewhere else and you will be experiencing empathy. Give gratitude that you have the opportunity to help someone else. And I can guarantee you, you'll change your life. No longer will you have depression, anxiety, or you won't have time to be sick. You'll be enjoying your life. You will also meet people that will teach you wonderful things. So heal yourself by helping others, but do it unconditionally without any expectation of any reward. A gift is not a gift unless it is given. So give what you can and move through it. Now, the reason I say that is this, people are so very different. You walk through your life and you see these individuals and they're fighting on the street, they're arguing, they have guns and it's abhorrent to you and you're upset and you go, oh my God, that's so upsetting. Good, good. It is good that that upsets you. It is good that it repulsed you because if it didn't, you would be on the same vibration as they are. If you go through your life with ethics, understanding, spirituality is defined as the individual whose soul is aligned with integrity. Everyone's integrity is different. Everyone is faced with different challenge. A person with children is different integrity than a person that's an attorney or a person that's a doctor or, or whatever. So integrity means that you are a man or a woman of your word. That's it. It is so important that you do as you say you're going to do. So you're going through your life, you have love and light. So other people have not followed that path. Other people think it's perfectly acceptable to perhaps break into someone's house that's elderly, hold a gun to their head and rob them because they have a drug habit that they need to support. And that's okay because they've talked to their friends and yeah, that's okay. They'll agree to it. It works for them. It is good that you don't feel that. It's good that your vibration is such fine tuned to that which is integrity and love that it repulses you. It gets into the laws of repelling and attraction. You're attracting like to you. So attract love, light, and honesty. You give light outwardly, but always feel. Because if life has become so painful to you that you have numbed down and deadened yourself, you are now a psychopath, a person devoid of feelings and emotions. You need to have feelings and emotions, but balance that. Don't take offense. Stop watching so much TV that bothers you but get engaged in authentic, real conversations. Keith, I have a question for you, but I guess it's just a question in general about the review. Say maybe you did treat, you know, an animal badly or a person badly. And like you said, hey, it's possible you might have to come back and figure it out again. Can you figure this out in this life so you don't have to come back again? Like, can you right your wrongs, I guess, in a way? Maybe, you know, adopt a dog and treat that dog really well. Or maybe in your next relationship, hey, be faithful, you know, understanding, caring instead of a jerk. Can you right your wrongs? Is there time in this life to right your wrongs? So maybe you can go to that next realm instead of coming back to figure it out again. Right. I would actually say there is. I really do. Because I personally believe that we do work or we grow 
as spiritual light beings without physical bodies. So, yes, I think that, you know, you come through this life and you're going through this review. Now, I want to be very clear. This review I'm talking about is incredibly divinely guided. You are in a place where the highest spiritual divine light could possibly be. There is no judgment. Whatever words work for you, whether it's deity, angels, God, Jesus, Ganesha, whatever, whatever deity you want to put on that, your ancestor, medicine, whatever you want, it is a moment of truth. And it's not a judgment. It's like, it's like, a, it's like if you're in college and you're taking your finals, and you're going, oh, I missed this when I did that. And there's no real judgment. It's just like, this is what you are. Now, unless you've done something absolutely hideous, it's not going to be like a punishment. If, if you did something horrific, like take a life or molested children or something, there is this sense of like going, really, did you think, how did you think this was okay? How did you think this was okay? All right. So whatever it is that you did, then it's uniquely designed for that person. And it's not like you did something wrong. It's like, why didn't you forgive yourself? Why did you sit there and carry this weight of, of this failed marriage when the, the divorce was actually the healing part of it and you thought it was a failed marriage? So when are you going to get over that? It's like you take it at your own time. So in answer directly to your question, I absolutely believe that you could say, hey, I, okay, I'm done, I'm, I'm leaving, and spiritually I'm going to move to a different dimension or a different realm or a different, a different aspect, or I want to come back. If you, if you really want to get to the point in your life where it's like moving on to another realm, you're not going to do it with adversity. You're not going to do it with contempt. You're only going to do it with light and love. When you come into the point that this is your last life, it is because you absolutely see that the divine creation is in all things. An example that's counter to that would be like the Hellbop people that killed themselves and they were going up and he was saying, oh, but you have to understand this is such a hell horrible place. That's the exact opposite. In other words, you have to get to the point where you realize that whatever it is you came to this world to accomplish, you did and you did it with love. You can also not be connected to any person place or thing. Now, what I mean by that is, yes, we love our family, we love our friends, we love our experiences, that will always be cherished forever. But if you are attached to a romantic person or a friend or something that's coming back, or if you are attached to a war or a philosophy, something, some person, you're going to come back and attach yourself to that. Or a place or a thing. Uh, you will come back. So it's important that you are not connected to any person, place, or thing. Here's the deal. A lot of people think, okay, I'm done with this earth. It's such a horrible place to be, and I just want to escape and release. That will draw you back. You'll come back <laughs> and again to come back and deal with what it is. Why is it so horrible? I see this in the physical world all the time. I love my life. I cannot think of a life that I could design better. If I could, I would design it in such a way. All right, so you hear these people that say, oh, it's a, such a terrible place to live, and oh my God, it's, there's so much social injustice, and there's this, and there's that, and there's all these horrible, and I look around, and I go, where? Where is that? Because I know it's on the TV, and I know it's on the, on the social media, but if you turn that off, you can actually take a walk. We have this beautiful blizzard out here, all this snow. What a gorgeous day we had today. Perfectly blue sky with crystal clear white snow. We're in next week, it's spring. All that snow's gonna melt. Here's a psychic prediction. It's going to be beautiful green grass and spring. Can't wait, right? I see neighbors and friends. Um, I live in a, a beautiful uh, place downtown. Downtown, I have these amazing neighbors. I have these neighbors, um, Eli and Lauren. I saw them both today. But um, Eli is this person that is incredibly self-confident. He's a person that is typifying who you should be at 28 years old. His confidence, as far as him and his wife, he knows who he is. And what's more importantly, he accepts me for who I am. He accepts people around him. He is non-judgmental. He is a person that I enjoy talking to. I enjoy seeing. I enjoy my neighbors. So I go, okay, so where is all this negativity? I have a beautiful life, and so could you. So what I'm trying to say is it's the appreciation of, of life itself. My life, like talking to my neighbors, going to a ride, having a nice dinner, doing those kind of things, that is life. So many times people wait for something that's going to happen. Life is not something you're waiting for. It is happening all around you. Engage in it. Love it. Be it. 
and you'll know joy. all this fit into the suffering that goes on in the world why is there a need for suffering on the planet earth that's a good question i do believe that if there was no suffering there would be really no need for the empathy that we have we see this suffering and we can empathize with the person that's going through the suffering and so we change we move into a different direction you look throughout history the role that empathy has played in alleviating pain and suffering. Example after example, you look at the oppression of the individuals in the South, the racism, it was accepted by people and it was commonly just, oh, well, that's just the way it's always been. But when people saw on the television, the atrocities and the abuse and the cruelty when they saw that people were spraying young children with water cannons and people were being hung, that galvanized in people's soul. They said, those people are people and they're like me and they wanna raise their children. And so people begin to have empathy and grow from it. They begin to change and demand that people stop being cruel, stopped being cruel. You, throughout history, when people have been in suffering, when people have been locked in concentration camps, it is where people say, no, they're different, but they are exactly like us. They're human beings. And there is empathy that comes about. You know, individuals that are marginalized for whatever reason, they can be marginalized because they're different. It is very hard for them to defend themselves. It is a person that has, I don't like to use this word, but almost like a greater status that can defend that individual. I look at people that could be made fun of because they are simple-minded or they're individuals that people could make fun of. They defend themselves and even the bully becomes more cruel. However, I'll give you an example. In school now, there's this like no bullying concept. So people that are going into life and they're kind of the misfits, they're the people that might not be attractive or they could be the people that are transgendered or gays and lesbians. Before, just years ago, it was very commonly accepted that, okay, the bullies are just gonna be boys or boys and they just beat up these kids, no big deal. Now I see a trend where it's like the popular kids, the jocks, the popular girls are defending the misfits. They're interceding and saying that is not acceptable. And that's the same thing we have to do as adults. When you're a person that you go to a country club and it's so incredibly elite because you have to have this certain status. You have to be white. You may not be able to be Jewish. It'd be a good idea for you to say, I'm not going to join this. I believe it was Mark Twain that said this very well, said that I will not go anywhere or join anything where I can be an exclusive member. It is because you are supporting exclusivity and that's not the way that it works in the divine law of things because it causes hurt. So you are expressing empathy when you don't join a club that is racist or anti-Semitic or whatever reason. I want to tell you this whole story. Years and years ago, I saw this sci-fi movie back in the 80s, and it really illustrated this point for me. Because up until that point, I thought, why is there so much suffering and difficulty and problems? Where is the planet, the utopia? Where do I go and I can just be happy all the time? So the premise of this sci-fi movie was that the world was chaotic as it seems like it is now. And these aliens came from a different realm. They came to this Earth and they looked 
And they said, wow, we can change this. We can cure all diseases. We can cause that we can change this so people are not suffering and there's no problems, there's no difficulty. People don't have to work and go through this arduous difficulty that they seem to be going through. And so they did that. And what they found was, yes, people at first were very happy. People went through their lives and there was no suffering or pain, but there was also no art. There was no music. There was no real need to get up because everything was fine. We get up with purpose. We get up because we want to help. We have a need to be needed. At least most of us do. So when we get up and we have this empathy, this trigger that says, I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to make sure that my six-year-old child gets the right education is protected. I'm going to make sure that this is what I can do for my fellow humans. My What is my talent? What is my gift? So by seeing in the illusion of life that there's difficulty, suffering, and pain and problems, it is up to us to come to this conclusion of how we can make a change. It's empathy. I have a, a client that he became a medical doctor because his mother died of cancer when he was 11 years old. He was heartbroken. He could have been a victim. He could have started drinking, but no. He said, I'm going to become a medical doctor and be an oncologist so that other people don't have to go through this pain. That's a result of empathy. So empathy, pain, problems, difficulties, as severe as it seems, yes, it serves a purpose. I'll also give you another example. It is, I believe I've said this before, but it is as a metaphor, the life of Christ. When Christ was on the cross, he was being persecuted for his beliefs, which were different than the order of the day. During the process of his crucifixion, atop his head was placed a crown of thorns. The crown of thorns was so excruciatingly painful, he was taking on all the pains of the world that it caused his death. As he died, he was resurrected, and he then had a halo. The halo is the same exact shape of the crown of thorns. He died, and that crown of thorns was the ascension into light. So it's the same shape. It's the crown of thorns simply became his halo. Now, if you use with greatest respect to the life of Christ, Jesus Christ, the man, and the Christ consciousness, which is the power of Christ of salvation, with greatest respect to that. If you use that as a metaphor for your own personal life, you can have empathy to the point that it causes you such pain that you die to it and you rise away from your egoic mind construct of logic and pain and agony and move into your divine sense of light and self, which is hopefully the purpose of all beings. It is also spoken of in the Four Agreements. In the Four Agreements, they call it, in the Toltec wisdom, they call it the initiation of death. You die to everything that you're pretending to be. You die to all your egoic structures, all your subpersonalities, and you rise up into the level of life itself as it is. That's the purpose of life. Thank you for listening. Join us again on Medicine Words. That concludes today's message from Medicine Words. My thanks to our spiritual medium, Keith, and to my broadcasting partner, Ryan. My name is Tom, and I hope you've enjoyed the content of today's podcast. Join us each month for a new podcast with spiritual topics about all the greatest questions in the universe. You can visit our website at medicinewords.net to find previous podcasts and to stay up to date on our latest material. You can also submit questions on our website, which we may use in future podcasts. Also, if you like, you can subscribe and we'll be sure to send you a reminder each month with a link to our latest podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please join us again on Medicine Words. <laughs>